Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. We're in the middle of a series on identity. Thank God my identity, your identity is not rooted in your football team, right? It's rooted in something much greater than that. Not in where you come from, not who you're married to, not on how big of a smile you have or how much hair you have on your head. Amen. Comes down to something more important than that. And it's about who you belong to. It's where you come from. And it comes, it's as simple as this too, is who you believe you are. And when you understand who you really are, your true identity gives you power. When you see and you, you, you get this true identity, you understand your true identity, like if you didn't know you were Superman or Superwoman, and then all of a sudden you figure it out, wait, I'm Superman. You're gonna live differently. You're going to start living out the power that God has given you, which you're probably not going to be Superman. But you're Superman in the spirit. Amen? Yeah. We're going to look into the life of David over the next few weeks, and we're going to use him as an example to just draw in and find out what our true identity is, how do we discover it. Mariah's going to preach a message next week about how we discover and apply and declare our true identity over our life. It's going to be really good. It's going to tear it up. You don't want to miss it. Some of this is about, like, how do I actually do this, right? We have a, a midweek study, a Bible study for you that helps you apply your true identity to your life. You can get it on your way out. That's kind of nice, right? If you sign up for the email at Abbott Loop, then you can also get it digitally. What? So your true identity gives you power. First Samuel chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 10. Then the Philistines said, this day I defy the armies of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing this, the Philistine, the, hearing the Philistines' words, Saul and the, all of the Israel's army were dismayed and terrified. What's happening here? The Israelites had been invaded by the Philistines. And this happened over and over again. And see, in the beginning of time, God gave dominion in the garden to his kids, Adam and Eve. And then Adam and Eve make these big mistakes, they fall, and then the whole, all of humanity, the power and dominion that was entrusted to us, to mankind, was then passed over and given to the devil. And all his little minions were fallen angels. And they just wreaked havoc over all the world until God chose his people, Israel, and he blessed them to be a blessing to the nations. And wherever they went, they prospered. And godliness reigned when they served and obeyed. Favor poured out. People were safe. And they didn't even have to defend themselves because God was their defender when they remembered and knew who they were. But what happened is anytime that they would fall into sin, then the enemies would start to come in and take the territory that God had already given them. God promised them land, and they went in to take the land, the promised land is what they call it. And when they took it, Joshua and Caleb and all the armies had faith and they just stomped everybody. In fact, they didn't even barely have to fight because God did it for them. And they possessed that land. But then stuff happens, right? And Saul, the king at the time, actually fell into sin and he made some critical mistakes where the, the, the Lord removed his anointing of king from Saul's life. And so this army comes barreling in and Saul loses his confidence and this army is taking up land in their backyard. So verse six, 16. For 40 days the Philistine came forward every morning and every evening and took his stand. Yikes. 
Every morning and every evening, he takes his stand and he defies the armies of Israel. Do you know this is the enemy? This is the real fight, guys, is that the devil is roaring around like a lion to see whom he can devour. He's coming into your life and he's moving into your backyard, the land that God already promised to you, and he's moving in on it and he's sending his giant in to come confront you and tell you that, that you stink, that you're powerless. And he comes to defy and bring his defilement to your backyard and wreak havoc in your families and in your life and steal from you what God has already purchased from you, for you. He's just there to wreck it all. And it's amazing. This, this giant gets up in front of the army of Israel. <clears throat> We're talking God's chosen people in God's chosen people's land. And he's standing in their backyard and he's saying, you guys are all weak and lame and your God is terrible and I'm in here and I'm taking a dump in your backyard. <laughs> For 40 days and nobody does anything. It's funny, this 40 days is the symbolic number in, biblical, uh, in the biblical understanding um, the, of the time of testing. It's a probation period that ends in either victory or defeat. We see Jesus, after baptized, goes into the desert to be tempted, tested, 40 days. And on the 40th day, the devil himself comes to Jesus and tempts and tests him. Jesus comes out victorious. Why? Because he exactly knew who he was. When the devil tempted him with everything that he could possibly get, I'll give you the whole world. I'll give you everything in it. And, and he goes, if you just bow down and worship me. He's like, why would I worship you when I'm God? He knew exactly who he was. When you know who you are, it changes how you see the test. But you have to know you're going to be in the test. God is bringing tests all the time. The devil's going to test you. And when you get tested, like Jesus, you come through and you know who you are, when you get through the test, it cements who you are, and others then know who you are. See, this 40 days, 40, every day goes in and out, over and over again, until this last day, on the 40th day, something changed. Verse 20, early in the morning, David left the flock in the care of some shepherds, loaded up and set out as Jesse, his father, had directed him. He reached the camp as the army was going out to battle positions, shouting the war cry. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines and facing each other. David left his things with the keeper of supplies and ran to the battle lines and asked his brothers how they were. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from the lines and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. You know, when someone who knows who they are in God is standing in the presence of the devil and a giant and someone defiling them in their promise, that's all it takes. That's the shift. The shift isn't that David was the most mightiest person in the battlefield. He wasn't the most experienced warrior. He wasn't the king that was set in but he was there. 
And that's all that mattered. He was the one guy in the entire army of Israel and he knew, who knew who he was and knew who God was and knew what God had promised and what land that uncircumcised Philistine was standing on. Wherever the Israelites saw, whenever the Israelites saw the man, they all fled from him in great fear. Now the Israelites had been saying, do you see this man keeps coming out and how he keeps defying Israel? The king will give great wealth to the man who kills him. He will also give him a daughter in marriage and will exempt his family from taxes in Israel. Come find me a giant. Come on, man. I want to be set free from some taxes. I don't need an extra wife, but I'll take the tax relief. Amen. Hallelujah. Come on. <laughs> man, all it takes is a child of God who knows who they are to hear the defiance of the devil. And then they go in and they rush into the space and they say, not on my watch, not in my backyard. But you have to know this. David knew this. It's found in Romans 8.18. We learn it from what we understand in the new covenant, but David knew this by the Spirit of God. I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The creation waits in eager expectation for the sons to be revealed. For the creation was subject to frustration, to devils and, 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 and giants coming and moving in our land, not by our choice, but but by the will of the one who subjected it in hope that in create, the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the glorious freedom of the children, of the children, come on, of the children of God. That's you. David knew he was a kid of the king, and in fact, he knew what had been prophesied about him. See, not too much time before this moment here, this time of testing, David was hanging out taking care of some sheep when his brothers come and get him and say, hey, there's this prophet guy at our house who's looking for all the kids to show up and you need to show up too because he's went through all of us and, and he hasn't found what he's looking for. And Samuel was there at David's house and he was looking for the next king of Israel. When Saul failed to obey God, God started looking for another king. And so he said, go to the house of Jesse. And one of the sons of Jesse well, I'm going to anoint. I'm going to tell you who it is. It's going to be king. And, 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 and Samuel starts going down the line. And he looks at the oldest brother. He's like, it's got to be that guy because he's the tallest, biggest, strongest, best looking, most king looking dude. And God's like, I don't look on the outside. I'm looking for something else. And he gets all the way down to the seventh brother. And he's like, not that guy either. He goes, what in the heck? He goes, do you have anybody else? Do you have any more kids? He's like, yeah, I got this little shepherd kid. He's kind of out there taking care of the sheep. He's like, well, go get him. So he brings him in there. And uh, uh, Samuel comes and he pours the oil over his head and God says, that's the one. And he says, you're gonna be king, come on. God tells you who you are. What you do doesn't define who you are. God defines who you are. What you're doing right now in your life is not who you are. And you might be a little shepherd boy, a little shepherd girl. And the thing you're doing right now, you might think this is so small and meager and it doesn't seem like it's really making a difference. You don't know what giant is coming next for you to go conquer and tackle. But if you know who you are, it doesn't matter what you do. You just have to know and that you're a child of God and look for the opportunity to slay a giant. David, verse 26, asked the men standing there, 
what's going to be done for the man who kills this Philistine and removes this disgrace from Israel? I kind of want to get that part one more time before we move on here. He goes, oh, no taxes? Praise God, let's do that. All right. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? This David is looking at this guy and all these other people, and he's thinking, how in the world is this Goliath guy even still alive? It's boggling his mind. He's totally confused because he knows who he is. He knows what land he's standing on. It's the promised land of God. It's what was already given to them. The battle was already won. Jericho already fell by just walking around it. It doesn't take effort to kill giants when they're on God's land. And God's kids are standing right there. He's going, what is happening? He can't figure it out. He's just like, why is this guy not dead? Why is he coming every day and blaspheming God? Because he knew that God was for him. Romans 8, 31. You've got to know this. What then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? When you know God is for you and you believe it, it's not just the thing you say and quote over your life when you're feeling like you got a tummy ache. You're like, well, God is for me. Who can be against me? I just need some Tums. <laughs> if God is for you and you know it, who can be against you? Nothing. So when you see a giant in your backyard defiling your, you know, manicured lawn space, your shrubs, you run out there. You're like, hey, get off my land. This doesn't belong to you. Look, when the devil moves into your life and he moves into your backyard and he sends a giant to come disrupt you and, 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 and defile you, you run at that sucker. You don't look at it like, oh, I'm going in my tent, pulling the covers over my head. We see giants different when we know we belong to the king. We see giants different when we know the land belongs to the king. We see giants different when we know that the, the king gave the land to us. And he already did the victory. It's already over. And our job is to make sure that they don't come back in. Or if that land hasn't been taken yet, our job is to go get it. Verse 27, they repeated to him what they had said, and they told him this um, for the man that, that, who kills him. But in verse 28, then his oldest brother heard him speaking with the men, and he burned with anger at him. Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those sheep in the wilderness? Say, What? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch this battle. You hear him, he talks to him. This is his oldest brother uh, who's jealous, by the way, because Samuel passed him up. Samuel goes, and God passed him up, said, not it, not it, duck, 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 goose, right? He's like, not me. He's all the brothers jealous. And he looks at him, you know what he tells him? He watched his younger brother get anointed as king. And what's he call him? He says, hey, you little shepherd boy, why aren't you watching the sheep? He calls the king of Israel a little shepherd boy. Uh-oh. David doesn't like that very much. And he knows that's not who he is. And then he, 
This does it sound like the devil? You wicked heart. What did God say about David's heart? God said that David's heart was a, he was a man after God's heart. The devil's always going to tell you you're the opposite thing that you really are. He's always going to take your current circumstances and try to identify them with your with your identity. It's not who you are. You're not a shepherd boy. You might learn some lessons as a shepherd about who you really are, but it's not who you are. You're a giant slayer. See, David knew he was a giant slayer. And he wasn't listening to any of this. He wasn't going to take any of this. You know what? Somebody is always going to come in and say to you, and God, the enemy is going to try to use uh, the people that he can get closest to you to speak these lies into your life. And, and this is a double challenge right now, is that you've got to know that the enemy can use anybody, and he will if he can. And all of us are subject to weakness from time to time. And any one of us can be used, this is the double-edged sword, is God's going to, or the enemy's going to use whoever he can to get to you, and he's going to try to get as close to you as he can. He'll use your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister. He'll use your best friend, your pastors. He'll use your best disciples. He'll use your teacher, your coach, whoever it is in your life, your boss, anybody he can get close to you that he could manipulate for a moment to speak death over your life. You're just a little shepherd boy. And you know what? You've got a wicked heart. You've got the opposite heart of what God's really doing inside you. How you call yourself a Christian? Oh, man, devil loves to say that to you, doesn't he? He just beats you over the head. Bam, bam. To get you to think you're not a king. That's it. Because if you believe you're not, you're going to act like a shepherd boy. You're going to act like a shepherd girl. That's all he's got to do. Who do the heck do you think you are? I'm telling you this. Who do you the heck do you think you are? You think you're some confused, like, cowardice, like, powerless believer? Is that who you are? That's a different way to ask that question, isn't it? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? You think you're some weak, lame sauce person, feeble, just run away from every danger? Or you believe you're a powerful, glorious, strong, undefeatable warrior of God's unstoppable, uncontainable, and unlimited, overwhelming love? Who are you? See, when you know who you are, you behave differently. Your true identity gives you power. Your true identity gives you power to behave like the king and priest that God made you a part of a holy nation to transform the world around you. And there ain't no giant or any devil around you that can come and, and set up camp and defile your backyard. They don't belong there. Whose voice are you gonna listen to? You gonna listen to the voice of the enemy manipulating the people around you? Or are you gonna listen to the voice of God who speaks to the prophets in your life and the word of God and identifies you as his son, his daughter, and has called you a king and a priest? Who are you going to listen to? Well, David, he didn't listen to his joker brother. He goes, what have I done? Can I even speak? Then he turns around and he talks to somebody else about the same thing. And then it's that person, somebody else overhears him talking to Saul. He's like, you're a jealous dork, you know? God bless you. I'm out of here. I'm not listening to what you have to say. I believe what God said about me. Verse 32, David said to Saul, now he gets in Saul's tent. Saul brings him into the, into the tent, which is so amazing. And he says to Saul, he goes, let nobody lose heart on account of this Philistine. He calls him who he is. Your servant will go fight him. That's me. 
And he's just like kind of a kid, right? You know, every believer's got to have a little fight in him. You got to have a little fight in you. You got to be willing to go to battle. You can't just be like, well, I'll just wake up and today's just going to be whatever it is today. I'll just float along, bump along in my lazy little river. God didn't make you to bump along in a lazy river. You wake up every single day. I know who I am. I'm a child of the king. I have a destiny today. I'm going to go disrupt the enemy. I'm finding a giant. I'm going to cut his head off. Right? Where is that giant? Every day we can't lose sight of who God made us to be. And there's got to be a little bit of fight in you. You got to be a little spunky, right? Sometimes it takes speaking that out. You get a little vocal. David doesn't just kind of think this idea. He tells the guy in charge who has the authority to send him, and he says, hey, don't worry about this. I'll do it. He kind of puts himself on the hook. Sometimes it's good for you to speak it out and put yourself on the hook, make yourself accountable. People around you hear it and they go, whoa, is that guy really going to do that? Is that girl really going to do that? You bet. I'm running into that hospital and I'm going to go pray for that sick person. I'm not going to let that prostitute be out on the street. I'm going to go pray for her. Come on. I'm not going to let my friend just slip off into despair. I'm going to go to their house. I'm going to pray for them. I'm going to encourage them. My friend is in a financial problem. I'm going to go help them. Just gonna let my friends slip into disappointment and despair and discouragement. Uh, no, I'm gonna go tackle that giant. Verse 33, Saul replies, um, you know, you're not really able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. Here's a couple reasons why. You're only a young man and he's been a warrior out of his youth and look, he's a giant. <laughs> okay, right. <laughs> okay, he's humongous. <laughs> See his bicep? That's as big as your whole body. All right, so this guy is huge. Look, even the authority figures around you, look, they're, they're going to try to tell you you can't do this. But it isn't about your stature. It isn't about your experience that makes you uh, successful in the kingdom. It's about who you belong to and do you know who you are, because your true identity gives you power. The facts about who is the champion and who is the little ruddy boy who's a shepherd, none of that stuff matters when God has possessed the land. The Israelites knew when they took the land in the first place that God gave it to them, that God was fighting their battles, and everybody around figured that out, and they got afraid whenever the armies of Israel got close because they're like, this battle's already over. Why do we have two responses here between these two kings? The king to be and the king who was. The king who was lost sight of who he really was. And the king who was to be knew exactly who God had called him in to be. And so the king to be looks at this giant and he goes, what are you doing in my house? Why are you in my yard? And he looks around at this army that will be his, and he goes, this is all about to fall apart. And why is this king who's in my spot not doing his job? See, his lens was totally different than everybody else around. 
because he's the one guy that shows up on the battlefield and actually knew who he was. But Saul continues in his own works and ways to try to get David to, like, conform. And in verse 34, he says this, but David said to Saul, your servant has been, uh, 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 to, uh, sorry, I skipped ahead. But in verse 34, he says this to Saul to, to convince him. He goes, look, I don't need to be this person of stature. Here's why. David says to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When the lion or the bear came and carried off the sheep from the flock, I went after it. I struck it and I rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by the hair and I struck it and killed it. Then your servant, see, your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine in my backyard, he's going to be like one of them because he's defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. So Saul said to David, the Lord be with you. <laughs> Good luck out there, buddy. He knew God. He knew God's promises. He knew who the giant was. He knew what land the giant was standing on, right? And he knew that God was for him, and no one else could be against him. This wasn't youthful ignorance. It wasn't naive and arrogant pride. It was about destiny. It was about understanding the promise and understanding uh, who he was and then walking in it having a little fight in him, willing to go. Verse 38, then Saul dresses up David in his own tunic. He puts on a cloak of armor and a bronze helmet on his head, and David fastened his own sword over the, uh, fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I can't get into, I can't go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And he took his staff in his hand, he chose five smooth stones from the stream, and he put them in his pouch of his shepherd bag. And then with his sling in hand, he approached the Philistine. You don't have to be any more than you are right now. You just have to be you. You just gotta have a little fight in you. And you have to know who you are, whose land the enemy's on. Who has purchased it and who does the fighting? When you know all of those things, you're actually okay with the fact that you're right where you're at right now and you know what you know, but it doesn't matter. There's a giant in front of you in your life. It doesn't matter if you don't have enough experience. Someone is sick around you. It doesn't matter if you don't know how to pray for the sick. You take your hand, you put it on them, and you pray the best you can do. And then watch God do a miracle. And you, just a little shepherd boy, a little shepherd girl, in the now, start to walk in the identity of who you really are made to be. And all of a sudden, you take a step. You and others begin to realize who you really are. You're a child of the king. You're a kid of the promise. But you don't have to be any farther along than you are right now. And many times, especially in American culture, it's like, hey, uh, get another lesson before you try. You know what the lesson you and I need is? Try and then learn. Do and then, like, discover. She's got to start doing stuff. 
We're more equipped than we could ever want to be. You've been saved for an hour? Go pray for somebody. The power of the living God is inside you. He made you righteous. You're like, what? Yeah. And you're going to watch it happen. Go do it. You don't have to be any more than you are right now. Just do it. Don't try to be somebody else or look like somebody else. Be you. Be authentically you. And God made you to be the you you are now so that you can become the you he wants you to be later. Huh? Got that little rhyme. God's made you into something special. And he made you different. And he has you coming from a different place than other people. So you bring a new perspective. And you can bring the uniqueness of who you are, the authenticity of who you are, into the kingdom of God, into the church of God. It makes it more beautiful, more dynamic, and more people can be reached because of that diversity. Verse 41, meanwhile, and God is always glorified in it too, right? In our weakness, he's strong. It's beautiful. Verse 41, meanwhile, the Philistine was with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with hair and handsome. And he, <laughs> that would be so, health. See, I help. Always, it's like a deep longing of mine to be growing hair. I don't know, that was amazing how that just happened. <laughs> just pray for me. It's a giant to be overcome. Okay, all right, so he's glowing with hair and health, and he's handsome. You like that? And he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come with me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds and wild animals. Oh, my gosh. Look, this devil in your life is going to come to you. This giant's going to come to you. He's going to mock you, and he's going to try to get you to believe you are not who you really are. You're just a stupid little boy, a little girl. What are you doing? You're, you don't even have any hair. And how in the world could you ever defeat me? Just come here closer. He's going to taunt you. Come on in, and I'll just eat you. If you don't know who you are right here in your time of testing, you could break. Turn and run. And that's all the enemy's trying to get you to do is turn and run. He wants you to turn and run so you won't fight because if you fight, you're going to win. And he knows that. And so he gets really big. He's like, don't fight me. I'm a giant. You're the only one who wins. You're the only one who can win. All you have to do is claim your birthright already given to you. Verse 45, here's how we need to respond, and this is how David responds. David says to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This is the day, let me tell you something. I'm gonna rewrite the script here. This is the day the Lord will deliver you into my ruddy little hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head this very day. I will give your carcass to the Philistine army, to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know. The whole world 
will know that there is a God in Israel. And all those who gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. I'm on. When you know who you're fighting for and who's really doing the fighting and you know who you are, it doesn't matter what the devil says to you or how big the giant is or what he says about you, your mom, your kids, your brother. It doesn't matter. Your pedigree, where you come from, none of that matters because true power comes from knowing your real identity. David knew where true power came from, not by strength, not by sword or political power, not by his stature, but by God's spirit and by God's promises, which he understood. As the Philistine moved closer, verse 48, to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell down face, face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with sling and stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. When your giant is mocking you and moving towards you, what are you going to do? First, after he gets done spouting his little thing, right? His little WWE worldwide wrestler moment. <clears throat> I'm going to break you in half. I'm going to tear out your insides. Your insides will be your outsides, right? All around the world. (laughs) Slap it to a Slim Jim. When he's done doing all that stuff, you tell him who he is. You tell him whose land he's on. And you tell him who you are and what you're about to do. And then you go run at him. And you take whatever weapons you have. See, David, all he had was a sling and a stone in his bare hands. Apparently, that's enough to kill lions and bears. <laughs> the guy knew that God had his back, and he was tending his sheep, and a bear comes. He grabs it by the beard and beats it to death. That's a man. Just saying. But it's a man who knew who he was. Do you know who you are? Do you know where true power comes from? And are you willing to have a little fight in you and run after the giants in your life and say, hey, depression, I'm coming for you. Hey, fear, I know your name, but I know who I am, and you're on my land, and you're taking a dump in my backyard, and it's time for you to go. Come on. Listen, we've put up with enough of the devil's stuff in our backyard, and it's time to say no more. Come on, family's breaking up, divorces happening all over the place, people stealing stuff right out of my yard. I'm like, hey, you're in my yard. Oh, yeah, well, I thought your stuff was my stuff. It's not your stuff. <laughs> what? How do we chase those giants down? Man, these people need the love of Jesus. 
No one can withstand the power and the love of God. The battle's won. It's done. It's over. When you bring the Lord into someone's life and that seed of transformation goes in, Romans 8, we were talking about this the last couple weeks, they are now predestined to be in the image of the Son. Done. Put a fork in it, pull out that chicken, eat it, get your protein. It's over. (laughs) They will look like Jesus when it's all said and done. You and I have to have the courage to run towards the giants and tell them about the name of Jesus. Tell them that he lives, loves, and saves. We've got to bring the power of the living God into the midst of our depression, anxiety, fear, hurt, bitterness. Come on. Your bitterness, your hurt in your family where people have hurt you, where you're mad and discouraged. You don't run with political talk. You don't run with like saying, well, it should be this way and it should be that way. You run towards that giant and you knock him down with love with hope, with joy, with peace. Because that is your portion. You don't have peace today? What's robbing your peace? That's your land. That belongs to you. What's robbing your joy? There's a giant in your backyard eating up your garden. He's stealing your peace, the stuff God gave you. And the only reason he's in there is you haven't gone in there and kicked him out. Well, I'm just depression. I'm just depressed. You're an alcoholic? You're an alcoholic? No. Good, fine. You have struggled with alcoholism and you should view it as something that's dangerous. Amen, okay. But you're not alcoholism. That's a giant in your life. That's a devil and a demon. And you can overcome that. You're gonna run at that and you say, no, I'm a child of the king. Joy, peace, power of a sound mind is my portion. That's what belongs to me. And you get a go in Jesus' name. Come on. <laughs> Man, we gotta, get, we gotta get after this thing. Romans 8, 36 says this. As is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We, considered, we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life nor angels or demons, neither present or future nor any power, neither height nor depth or anything else in all creation will be able to separate or stand up to the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can stand up to the love of God. Love always wins. In fact, it is already won. Verse 51, David ran and stood over him after he kills him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword, drew it from the sheath. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. And with, when the Philistines all saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. <laughs> then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistine to the entrance of Gath, to the gates of Ekron, there their dead were strewn along the Saharium, right? Road to Gath, whatever that is. Sharayim. To Gath and Ekron. Come on. When you cut the head off a giant and everybody sees it, this is what you do. You cut the head off and you go, look at this. That's your job. You run in. And when you cut the head off a giant in your life, you pick it up and you say, this devil's dead. It's a testimony about God's goodness in our lives and that the devil's on the wrong land. And we send a signal to all the other little devils. 
It's time to run. <laughs> and it sends a, sends a signal to the church. It's a rally call. Someone gets baptized. We're picking up the head of a, of a devil right there. We're saying, come on. It's rally time. Drugs, alcohol, abuse, that can't stand up to the power and the love of God. It's time to run into those things, run after those things and make a change. We don't run from them, we run into them. Come on. And we need to hear more of that, more testimony, more people saying this is what God is doing and how he's transforming the lives around them. And then we've got a surge where there's momentum. If you see someone having momentum and they cut the head off a devil and all the little devils are running, guess what you do? Rally around them. The nation of Israel now rallies around David and then they just go wipe them all out and they take all the land back like that. But this is why when you see a giant in your life, you don't cower from him and like shoot rocks at him from a long ways away with your slingshot. You run at him to where you're going to be in a place where he could get you. You run right at that thing and you go get it. You gotta tell yourself the truth. That thing is real. It's in my life, it's in my land, and it's gonna go. David ran in and he stood over him and he cut his head off. Do it, then lift it up, then rout the enemy, man. Don't wait around. Don't wait around. There are spoils to be taken in the kingdom. And what happens is Israel, in verse 53, when the Israelites returned from chasing the Philistines, they plundered their camp. David took the Philistines' head and he brought it to Jerusalem. And then he took all his stuff and he threw it in his tent. Like, that'll be mine. The enemy used for evil, God gives back for good. And in fact, God promises he gives it back seven times what he stole from you. Souls in the kingdom are the plunder, guys. When we start tackling these giants, the testimonies go out, people get saved, healing, peace, joy, love. Every territory that the enemy has taken over, it's our job to go and gain it back. But the battle's already won. Does God's army have a champion? Who are you? Are you a David in this generation that's willing to stand up and know who you are and go surge at the giants in your life? Are you willing to take steps to know who God is, know who you are as a child of God, and to know the battle, chase down the giant? Cut his head off, man. Hold it up for all to see and do it again and again. You know, after this, all kinds of people that were around David slayed giants. Goes on and on to say all these other amazing mighty warriors that slayed giants after him. You know, when you slay a giant, it inspires someone else to do the same. That's possible. I'm going after one too. Come on, let's go giant hunting. Verse 55, and Saul watched David. He was going to meet the Philistines. And he said to Abner, commander of the armies, whose son is that young man? As surely as you live, your majesty, I don't know. Verse 56, he says, find out whose dad is that kid. Come on. Whose daddy is that? You know, when you go out and you slay a giant and everybody sees it happen around you, you know what they start asking? Who's your daddy? Who's your papa? Who's your daddy? Come on, they start saying, who in the world do you belong to? How is this possible? Well, it's by the power and the miracle of the living God living in and through me. And I'm a son of the most high God. You should know him. His name is Jesus. He came to live and die for you. 
And he came to rescue you from your sin and to slay your giants. And in fact, it's not by my power, it's by his power. That's who I belong to. You want to know who my father is? I'll tell you, his name is Jesus. You should know him because he'll come in and indwell you and he'll fill you to overflowing and nothing will ever be the same. In fact, you'll never be able to be separated from his love from that moment on. Come on. God has a purpose for your life. He wants you to walk into your true identity. Your true identity gives you power. Stop messing around. Stop acting like a normal person. Stop acting like you're just a kid that goes to high school. Stop acting like you're just a person that goes to work every day or a teacher in the public school or, or an executive who goes or just a retired person. Oh, I'm just a retired person. I guess I'm done. You're not done. You're a giant slayer. There's work for you to do. You got to know where you come from, who God is, who you are. You're clothed with his glory. You're filled with his glory. You're made to shine. You are a giant slayer. You're not some weak, feeble, cowering nobody. You're a powerful, glorious, strong, undefeatable warrior of God's unstoppable, uncontainable, unlimited, and overwhelming love. Come on. Remember who you are. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you're here today and you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, today is the best day of your life if you choose Jesus. You too are called to be a giant slayer. God called you to be a person who belongs to him. He died for you and he wants to know you and all you have to do is choose him. And you can know today, you can experience his love and presence today if you just choose Jesus. And in fact, you can know today that if something were to happen to you, there would be no way and nothing that could ever keep you out of heaven, out of eternity. You will eternally be connected to God and in his presence. If you're here today, the Bible says so simply that if you want to be saved, all you have to do is believe that Jesus is God and speak it, pray it, confess it with your mouth, say it so. And then he, uh, he brings you in alignment with your true identity, who you're really made to be. It's that simple. He does all the work and you're off to the races being a giant slayer in your life. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, I want to pray with you right where you're at. You don't have to move. All you have to do is raise your hand and I'll pray with you. Anybody here, Jesus, I want to give my heart to you. Just lift your hand up and I'll pray with you. Thank you. Anybody else? Jesus, I'm ready to receive you. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Anybody else? Jesus, I want to receive you today. Yeah, thank you. I see your hands. Thank you so much. Awesome. You can put your hands down. Let's pray. If you want to give your heart to Jesus, pray this with me right now. Jesus, I believe you're God. I receive you as my God, my Lord, my Savior. Save me from my sin. Fill me with your love with your Holy Spirit. Make me your child today. I belong to you, Jesus, forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Bunch of people getting saved in here today. That's so exciting. Awesome. Let's pray this before we close in worship. Just lift your hands if you want a blessing. I'm going to declare this over all of us. Father, in Jesus' name, we are no longer little shepherd boys and shepherd girls. We're mighty men and women of the Most High God. We're identified by your spirit, by your love, which comes on us in power. And now, Jesus' name, 
filled with your Holy Spirit, activate the gifts in my life. Let me be a giant slayer. I see myself right now as a world changer. Come on, say that. I am a world changer, a giant slayer. I am glorified. I am made righteous by the King of Kings. And I'm called, destined to change the world around me now, not tomorrow, now, in Jesus' name. I'm sending notice right now to the giants in our lives and the giants in this city, this state. You're on notice. We're coming for you in Jesus' name. We're taking the land back right now in the name of Jesus. Come on, stand up. Let's worship. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.